Welcome to the Shred with Science podcast with your host, Dr. Chris Spearman, one of the world's leading online fitness coaches, an expert in metabolic correction and a global cover model. Chris delves deep into the most up-to-date scientific literature to provide you with the tools you need to live a healthy, enjoyable, and educated lifestyle. Yo, what is going on everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Shred with Science podcast. It is episode 78 and this is an episode that I've been looking forward to for a very long time. Very likely one of the first guests I wanted to get on but we just never pinned the time down. Um, so it's been well over a year that I've been trying to get Emma Story Gordon on the podcast. For those of you guys who don't know, Emma is an incredible human being an incredibly intelligent individual, um, an awesome trainer, currently based in Scotland. Uh, Myself and Emma first met at Body Power 2014, and since then we have always been in contact. Um, We see each other at least once a year, as we joke about uh, at Body Power every year. Um, Throughout this episode, we talk about the differences between the male and the female aspect of nutrition and training supplementation etc and if there are any what our thoughts are and the things that you need to take into consideration Uh, we also mentioned that emma is talking about body power so for any of you guys listening to this this week make a massive effort over the next two weeks to try and get to body power and see um emma speak and hear her talks um and if you haven't uh, after this episode, go follow her, please, um, and you will be. It's 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 refreshing to see people who are just no bullshit when it comes to training and nutrition, um, and someone who's pretty straight talking like Emma. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed this podcast. Um, let me know what you think. Uh, as always, screenshot, tag myself, tag Emma, put it in your story, um, and we will share it as always. Now before we do. Um, the giveaway for today's free call uh, with myself or one of my coaches based on a review on iTunes goes to Simon Exton, who says, entertaining and informative, five-star rating, Dr. Spearman's podcast deals with nutrition and training in a relaxed and engaging way. It's easy to listen to and gives loads of very useful information in bite-sized chunks without getting too bogged down into scientific detail. The episodes about building up a business as a trainer aren't as interesting to me as the ones about nutrition, but are still well delivered and full of useful information. Well worth a listen if you have any interest in fitness. Simon, thank you so much, dude. As always, uh, as you are the winner, reach out, drop me a DM. Let me know that I've called out your name um, and I will hook you up with a free call with myself or one of my coaches on any topic that you like. Guys, I hope you enjoy. Um, As always, share the episode on your story um, and we will do our very best to repost. Hope you enjoy. Hi. Hi. How's it going? I'm very well. How are you? So your slides for body power, I assume, are all ready, all done, all organized. Of course. They've been ready since (laughs) last year. Of course. Um, I don't even know if I'm going to be there. I'm kind of disappointed. I am, because I only ever get to see you once a year. That's true, actually. 2014 was the first time we met at Body Power. And you you bought me an ice cream. 
That's that sounds very likely. Yeah, yeah. that sounds very likely. Just just being charming. Standard. Always, always. Um. So your talk on body power. Give us some inside tips, in in inside highlights. What okay. can people expect to see that are going to be there? Well, at Body Power, I'm going to be talking a few times. So one of them is going to be a female fitness roundtable, kind of just discussing the pros and cons really being a female in the fitness industry and maybe if there's certain barriers that people feel or actually on the flip side as well I think it can open a few doors as well um so there's going to be four of us talking about that and kind of having a bit of an open discussion which is going to be good for females for females yep and then I'm going to do um a talk about I guess the biggest sort of barriers that my clients have faced um for female fat loss so I guess the standard I I think a lot of people tend to go on this same sort of journey where maybe you start not knowing that much and then kind of getting your head around some of the myths around nutrition and realizing what matters and what doesn't matter when it comes to fat loss and then all the little hang-ups that you get on the way, so things like, oh, my fat loss has stalled, what do I do? Or I'm not seeing a drop on the scales, does that mean I'm not losing fat anymore? Or could there be other reasons for not seeing drop in scale weight? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so all the little sort of um, stages I feel that people go through when they're losing weight or when they're sort of learning about nutrition as well. Cool. You'll have to send me a preview in case I'm not there of oh, the yeah. slides okay of course um it's interesting you said about um the female round table because i listened to a podcast that you did recently and you made a very good point and um the point was that you feel that the uh, i mean it's 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 an obvious point to us but not necessarily to some 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 people listening who are like you said navigating their way on their own fitness journey and it was that Fat loss for females and fat loss for males are very, very similar, almost identical, other than the the very obvious differences of maybe, you know, going through the menstrual cycle or or, you know, slight hormonal profile differences. But generally speaking, it's it's the same. And I think it's such a good point because it's a question we all get asked as fitness professionals is like, um, oh, well, I'm a female. Should I do this? Should I do that? And at the end of the day, it's not much difference, right? Yeah, you're completely right. Like I wouldn't, the factors that I consider when I'm dieting someone or helping them reach their goals aren't necessarily their gender or their sex. Uh, That's a good distinction to make as well. I once got in trouble for getting those two wrong. So gender is actually, like that's a choice. You could choose what you decide to be. But your sex is your biological sex. So here I am talking about sex. So if you are a female or a male, um, that's not obviously it's a kind of a consideration because it's normally fairly obvious um, but in terms of what exercise I would get them doing or maybe what diet plan they'd be on it wouldn't be any different effectively you're treating most women like a smaller version of a man now I'm going to go a little bit further than this because a lot of people would dispute that and I'm not saying that there wouldn't be any other considerations I'm just saying that those considerations aren't necessarily dependent on their sex but more maybe their personal preferences their injuries their um dietary requirements you've already cetera, said the word sex on the podcast so I'm just putting <laughs> that in in as 
description of the podcast so everyone's gonna listen <laughs> emma talks about sex on my podcast um honestly though i i agree with you massively and, and it, it was it's just literally just off call we um we were talking about my demographic or my demographic of listeners um as well as my demographic of clients and um the, the general misconception is that the predominant or the vast majority of my clients are male, which is not actually the case at all. I think there's probably 60 percent female mm. and about 40 percent male. Um, but we spoke about the differences in terms of maybe men being a little bit more likely to let you share their progress photos. And that can. So probably, I mean, with, with male coaches, too, I think sometimes some of the messages from from female potential clients can be i don't know if you help a lot of women but and i'm my my reply is absolutely of course i do like the vast majority are women for that reason um but well, they the biggest have... um market is female fat loss yeah uh, but what an interesting question i want to ask you and i've got why opinion, is that i've got opinions uh, on this as well uh, is that what you're going to ask me why is it female fat loss no i want it that's my like... question to you before okay. you answer oh oh god now you've turned it around um why is it i think generally women maybe worry more about their weight than men um and also generally women store more body fat than men do okay. and i guess on a more traditional level as well like there's still that aspect that actually men tend to have more physical jobs i also think that in the obesogenic environment that we live in it's much harder for women to stay within their calories. So let's say you're a office-based woman um, or you've got an office job, so you're quite a sedentary woman. Um, you don't do a lot of exercise. So I guess your standard British woman, to be honest, is mm -hmm. probably only going to need 1,500 calories if they're lucky a day. Now, if they go out for a meal a couple of times, that puts them way over their calorie allowance. of maybe their um i suppose the point i was trying to get that sorry I, you totally paused i online. don't know if you if if, if you kind of realized oh i got you oh, oh you've got me okay 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 sorry. um the 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 thing i was going to get at really is that i think guys are very often overly egotistical and less likely to ask for help um mm. um me included. And it took me a while to, to kind of turn around and say, you know, maybe I do need a coach or maybe I do need assistance, whether it's with my business or, um, you know, with my with my fitness. But I definitely agree. I definitely agree. And I think um, I think that's a, a brilliant point. And actually something that previously I hadn't um, given my clients enough credit for, I think, is actually how scary it is to ask for help and to say I'm in a position where actually I want to make change and I'm ready to make change. I'm ready to invest in myself and I'd like you to help me. That in itself, before you've even lost any weight or started looking at diet or anything, like that's a huge achievement and a huge step. And I think often as coaches, because we work with so many people, like you, you get a lot of inquiries and you possibly don't always give people the credit that actually that's a huge step for someone to say, I'm going to try. And it's also the reason why I'm so against sort of trainers which is it happens a lot in fitness bad mouthing things like slimming world and 
I don't know, even Herbalife and things, because I don't think they realise how alienating that can be for someone who has taken a long time to consider, actually, I'm ready. Losing waste. Yeah, yeah, and I'm ready to take my first step. I've gone along to Slimming World. Now some dickhead personal trainers made me feel like an idiot because they're like, Slimming World's so stupid. You shouldn't have done that. It's the worst diet you can do. Blah, Anyone blah, you're blah. speaking about in particular? No, because actually, <laughs> so many people do it. No, the thing is as well is um uh i was having dinner at this sounds so crazy i was having dinner at ben pakolsky's house not so long ago as you do as you do and he made such an amazing point and he said at the end of the day as long as your goal is to get someone to move more and be more active um and just be a bit more mindful about their weight that's half the battle doesn't you don't need to you know be putting down a trainer who's you know doing keto or putting down one who training only at the end of the day if they're if your goal as within the fitness industry is to get people is to try and educate people on some level or to try and get someone to move more you're you're you, you have a place to some degree unless you were to say this is the only way to lose weight, you know, like, um, what about your clients? So what would your demographic be? And I suppose, what would the, the vast majority of the clients that you enjoy working with, what sort of demographic would they fall into and why? Um, so my demographic is largely women. Uh I think that might partly be because I am myself a woman, if you haven't noticed, but, um, I do work with a lot of men and I think most of like the reason that my demographic is mostly women is because I run a female fat loss program as like a group coaching program. So obviously my ratios are are quite skewed. And what I will say and what I was going to ask you actually is who do you find easier to work with? Because I I really enjoy working with men because I find Mm -hmm. that there's a lot less emotion there. They can be a lot more rational. Now, I'm, this is a complete generalization, but they tend to be more rational to the point. And actually, it's brilliant because with men, without these hormonal fluctuations, you do actually tend to find that fat loss is like textbook. It's like one kilogram a week, bam, 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 bam. Whereas I've never, ever worked with a woman and I've worked with thousands of women now that has lost weight in that manner because there's always fluctuations due to hormones and many other factors, but mostly the hormonal thing, whereas men do tend, like you can get men that just lose exactly, you know, you set them a program, they just do exactly what you want and they get exactly the results you want. And it's really rewarding. Um, It's interesting because I can only remember in, I've worked with, you know, tens of thousands of clients. uh, Let's say half of them were female, half were male. And one stands out as a female who lost perfectly almost the same amount of weight every single week for 12 weeks. And other than her, I cannot think of one. And the interesting thing about her is she signed up for a 12 week program in 2015, February or March 2015. And um, I wrote her an initial training program, an initial um, uh, nutritional program and training guide. And she lost I think she lost between one to two pounds every single week without fail. And every single week I was like, oh, well, you know, you've lost, you know, almost two pounds. There's no need to change. Let's keep going as is every single week. And I didn't change it once. 
did not change it once. And she wrote me an email, which at the time I've been kind of coaching for only probably a few months at that point. She wrote me the nicest email ever. Like she said, you've literally changed my life, saved my marriage. And in my head, I was like, all I did was write one initial plan and she stuck to it. So, But that's, um, the, that's the key is that actually the same plan, will pr- a lot of the time we're changing plans because people get bored of them. Mm-hmm. And actually, if you can stick I to the same this. plan. This is, that's so true. Like it will continue to work for you because the basics are the basics because they work. And you'll see this with so many of your clients that you could give them, I don't know, say you give 10 people the same plan. If you stick to it, you will get results. But Mm. the difference between the people that do get the results and the people that don't get the results is that the people that don't get the results haven't stuck to the plan. And that is part of your job as a coach is to motivate people to stick to the plan or to gear it towards them so that it's easier for them to stick to like let's say it's three longer sessions instead of four shorter sessions or whatever you're trying to fit it around their life but it is very interesting that yeah like she stuck to the same program you didn't need to change anything because she was still getting results Mm. and there you go one thing that's interesting is like I will have a conversation if it's a Skype client and I chat to them every weekend I will say Okay, cool. So you've lost two to three pounds or let's say two pounds is kind of the sweet spot, I feel. Um, One to two pounds this week. Now, do you want me to change the plan for the sake of changing the plan? Or do you want to just continue going? Because it's obviously working. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And very often that question then goes, oh, because sometimes, you know, clients will go, oh, you're not changing the plan this week. And in my head, I'm like, well, I can change it for the sake of changing it or it's working so we can continue going as is. Um, and but it's I think you'll, you'll find with, with even with your own training, like you know the basic physiology of how muscles grow. So you also know that you could be doing basically the same sort of five or six movements and still continue to get results. But you'll change it up because you would get blooming bored doing that. And it, sometimes it's the same with clients. Like, yeah, you still want to have those... You want a big push movement in, a big pull movement in, leg movements in, whatever. You want to stimulate those muscles. But you're going to change the way you do it purely to keep people wanting to go to the gym. Like, I would be bored after doing the same session again and again and again. Or the same sort of plan workouts. So you do tend to change stuff largely to keep things interesting. For sure. And I know you're you're, you're um, a good friend of, of Jordan, Jordan Peters. And um, it's interesting because, you know, he would arguably say, okay, you probably don't need to change your training program for 12 to 18 months, which is so true because, um, you know, back maybe two years ago, um, I was working a very similar training program to, 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 to his method or his style of training. And I was like, okay, well, my lifts, my lifts are progressing, my weight's going up why would I change? Like, why would I change? Like that, but that's just me. Obviously we're not expecting all of our clients to just be as boring and as dogmatic as us. Um, but it's so true. It's so true. And then that question really makes the client ask themselves, Oh, wow. Am I going to risk changing? Like what's more important me being bored or me getting results? Yeah. And I think when you're really, if your goal is really sort of muscle hypertrophy, and you know that increasing volume is an important factor in that. If you keep changing the program or changing the exercises or even changing the rep scheme, do you still know that you're creating the same effect on the muscle and are you building the same um, volume and are you 
uh, applying progressive overload to that. Whereas it's very simple if you if you're using something like Jordan's programs a bit like what is it called dog crap or something. Uh, yeah, so that is yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So effectively, it's like lifting as heavy as you can with like was it one or two big working sets? So you're maximum yeah. stimulating that muscle. So you can quite easily tell. Oh, last week I lifted a hundred for five. This week I lifted a hundred for six. Okay, I've progressed this week. Is very easy to see. Whereas if every week you're sort of changing the program up or changing the exercises or the rep schemes, it's not quite as clear cut if you're progressing. Absolutely. So here's my question for you. Female comes to you and says, should I do HIT or LIS? So high intensity interval training or low intensity steady state cardio. Um, how do you kind of go about structuring your um, your cardio for your clients? and under what i suppose parameters do you give them do you give them free reign or do you um do you have that conversation beforehand um so my whole approach it lets i'm going to assume that this client is coming to improve body composition so they want yeah. to lose fat and build muscle um my whole approach to that is that i want you to spend your time in the gym which is limited mm-hmm. building muscle so my main focus there is going to be resistance training. Outside of the gym, I want you to focus on being as active as possible and um, sticking to your diet so that you lose fat. So that sort of 23 hours outside the gym, you can be losing fat. The time inside the gym, I don't want you to think about your calorie burn. I don't care what your iWatch tells you that you've burned in terms of calories or whatever it is. I don't want you to spend that time trying to burn energy on the treadmill I want you to be in there lifting weights and trying to stimulate your muscles to grow. So when it comes to cardio, some of my clients might want to do cardio, but it's really in terms of energy balance and energy expenditure. So if we're not talking about exercise performance here, we're just talking about body composition, you can use cardio as a tool to burn extra energy, meaning you could eat more, have higher calories and still lose body fat. Or you can decide, I don't have time for cardio, I'm just going to use my time in the gym to lift weights, and then I'll try and be as active as I can outside the gym, uh, burn calories that way, and make sure I stick to my diet. So my focus is always on building muscle in the gym. Yeah, good. I agree. I think, for me, I think the step, the activity outside of the gym is so important. So important. Like, I can't think last year, the only time I would ever hop on a treadmill when I'm cutting is if it's raining outside and I can't get my steps in outside. Obviously we've got a luxury that we can kind of create our own schedules and some people don't have that luxury for sure. Um, but I would be, I would be similar. But the one thing that I did say to you offline is I don't do a huge amount of high intensity interval trainings. So, so I'm keen for this. Um, for me, obviously, my workouts are quite intense anyway. Um, obviously, that's relative. I think they're intense. Um, but for high intensity interval training, what are your thoughts on it? And um, is it something that you would integrate for yourself? Um, so I don't do sort of maybe your traditional hit, which would be like cardio based hit. So maybe something on the bike, like Tabata's on the bike or something like that. I, I don't tend to do that myself. I do really enjoy sort of circuit training now and again, or what I term like finishes, which tends to be like three or four exercises back to back at the end of a session. Um, but the, I think defining what hit is because a lot of people 
uh, maybe claim they're doing HIIT and it's not HIIT or it's just interval mm-hmm. training or et cetera, et cetera. So I think um, HIIT for me is good for someone who's very time restrained. It uh, doesn't have a lot of time. So one of the biggest barriers in terms of public health to exercise is I don't have time to exercise. And this is where I think HIIT comes in and is a really useful tool because you can say to someone, look, here's some evidence to show that it, you can do 10 minutes of exercise and get huge health benefits from that. And mm-hmm. and that is where HIIT comes in. And when we define HIIT as a sort of modality of exercise, I quite like using an analogy that um, Dr. Keith Barr came up with, or, or that's who I've had to speak by at most. And that is on one side of the exercise spectrum, you have resistance training. On the other side of the exercise spectrum, you have endurance training. Now, these obviously have different physiological and muscular adaptations. And somewhere in the middle, you have HIIT, so high-intensity interval training. And that gets some of the benefits of resistance training and some of the benefits of um, endurance-style training. So you're kind of getting the best of both worlds. And for me, it's like a minimal effective dose. If someone came to me and said, I'm only ever going to do... I don't know, 10 minutes of exercise, and I always want it to be the same modality of training, bam, I would have you doing HIIT. Now, mm-hmm. often, as is the case in fitness, when we argue about random stuff, like, oh, what should you do? Uh, Low-intensity exercise or high-intensity exercise? Like, it's a complete false dichotomy. Like, anyone, anyone in their right mind would program a bit of both so that you get the best of both adaptations. Um, and mm-hmm. there are benefits to both. Like, I do a fair amount of low-intensity um, endurance exercise, actually, purely because I can do emails while I'm on the treadmill or emails while I'm on 100%. the bike. Yeah. And you're sort yeah. of like killing two birds with one stone. I could not that, do hit. It, admittedly, the that's the reason why I never do hit because I can't multitask, but I can exactly. still. I I can go for a walk for two hours along along the river, beautiful outside, and I can two hours of listening to a podcast, mm-hmm. um, and doing emails or replying to clients at the same time or structuring social media engagement. So, um, I completely agree. There's one reason, or or no, there's a few reasons, but there's there's two points. One, I up until now, admittedly, have structured hit into a training program for one reason and one reason only to encourage the client who says that they don't have enough time to do low intensity to actually realize should I hate doing high intensity training <laughs> I'll actually make time for low intensity um bit of tongue-in-cheek in that statement but kind of true and um the only other time that I generally seem to um put some high intensity interval training in uh, unless it's requested by the client is if a client says to me Chris I've got an hour that I can go to the gym no more no less what do I do Now, normally for me, I would suggest, like you said, if that's the case, I would do resistance training and high intensity, high intensity interval training. However, I would normally, for me personally, always do my training first because I want to get the best out of my lift. And then I would do the high intensity interval training at the end. However, in this situation, depending on the client, sometimes I get them to go straight in the door, do 15 minutes of high intensity interval training, because then by the time they've finished, their heart rate is up, they're ready to go, and they're not spending another five or 10 minutes easing into their workout. Mm -hmm. So for that reason, I would get them straight in the door, 15 minutes of hit, then do four. 45 minutes of resistance training finish done and leave and try and stay like you said as active as possible outside of that hour um i kind of like that because some- it does get you amped up for the session like 100 percent. yeah well, a otherwise, bit sweaty you're in there you're at it already rather than yeah, yeah like you're saying we, on the first we, few sets we both we, we both know if you want to be really optimal 
um, in terms of your lifts and and progressive overload, it would probably be better to do your resist or your resistance training first and, and make sure that you're not sacrificing your lifts. However, I feel like by doing that, realistically, the first five or ten minutes are you easing in anyway, and then you're only left with about fifty minutes of of time, fifteen of which are going to be um your your hit at the end. So I try and encourage maybe clients that go straight in the door, hop on whatever form of of um equipment they prefer to do their hit on, um, and then and then off the back end do their resistance training and then leave. Um so that's probably one probably when I would structure it most with clients, I think. I often think as well, like you sort of said, oh the client who only has, don't know, forty minutes to an hour to to exercise those are my best sessions when I know that, oh, I've got to be out the gym by X because I need to get somewhere. That Like, I work so much harder because I'm not faffing around. Where When I know, oh, I've got, like, a couple of hours, actually, it wouldn't really matter how long this session takes. You just you, piss around. Yeah, you just tend to chat yeah. to people, play on your phone, never really get any intensity going. So I actually think you can do a hell of a lot in a 40-minute session if you put your mind to it and you don't sort of mess around too much. When you're pushed for time, absolutely, you get more done. Speaking of, you have clients oh, <laughs> I do. I better get going. But it was lovely. Before you go, yeah. before you go, yeah. where can people find out more about you? And if anyone wants to get in contact um, in relation to training um, or information or seminars or, or any of your talks, where can they find you? You can find me on Instagram at ESG Fitness or on Twitter, which I never use at ESG Fitness or on Facebook which is Emma Story Gordon Fitness um, so yeah if you do want to chat or anything just yeah shoot me a message amazing I hope I get to see you at Body Power if me I don't too. I know I think it'll be the first year oh maybe there may be one year that I didn't manage to see you but um, I will stay in touch and uh, you can let me know how it goes Guys, if you're going to be at Body Power, make a massive effort to go and see Emma's talk. She's thank an absolute you. wealth of knowledge. And really lovely. Oh, really lovely. Thank you.